0: Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world, with Ani Abedesian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Arnie Avedissian, welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind, add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly and contemplate the wonder of cosmic creation And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of Cosmic Cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's doolally, who-just-kicked-me-up-the-back-alley, dysfunctional little world. And, of course... We try to do this with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. It's not always easy, but we are on a bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the metaphysical martini show, we love shots. So we have no particular partisan affiliations on this show. We know both parties, the major parties, we know they're broken. And we all saw how Bernie Sanders' attempt at independence from the Clinton mafia resulted in his political emasculation. On this show, our rally cry is, Awaken, O my people! Do not follow the path of the sheeple, and do not give our God cause to weeple. Let us reclaim our minds. Let us discover and share our true selves Let us not hide behind the masks of illusion and deception and bits of cloth. Let us stand tall, even if, like me, you are quite short. Let us stand tall and reach our full potential as cosmic beings experiencing temporarily, as human beings. If you're new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. On this show, we do not succumb to peer pressure and mob rule. We do not let others take control of our minds and attempt to shame us into jumping on the bandwagon du jour. We stand by the tenet, to thine own self be true. And to thine own self be true is a wonderful jumping off point for prayerful contemplation and meditation. You start there and you will go down so many beautiful pathways to the inner spiritual self. And speaking of the inner self, well, that's what this show is all about, to discuss what it means to be incarnate on planet Earth. Questions? Oh my God, we have questions. Who are we? What are we doing here? What should we be doing here? What is the meaning of life? Why does lemon meringue pie have so many calories? Who put the creepy, geeky computer nerd in charge of public health? Is Slugshot better than Buckshot for close-quarters encounters? How do we discern between good aliens and bad aliens? Why do we, the human race, miss the obvious time and time again? And why do we have a vitriolic toothpick as Speaker of the House? I ask myself from time to time, what happened to America's spirit of rugged individualism? Who put the politically correct, easily offended pussies in charge? And by pussies, don't get your knickers in a twist. I'm not referring to girly bits. There's nothing wrong with girly bits. I'm quite fond of mine, actually. No, by pussies, I mean the people who want to shut down important conversations by pretending the subject matter is too sensitive to engage in meaningful dialogue, In other words, they do not want to engage in any discussion that does not mirror their own point of view or push their agenda. These people do not want to hear our opinions. They want to hear their opinions coming out of our mouths. Well, the problem with most opinions today, rarely is it an original thought. Peeps, they fall for the mainstream narrative. They riot. They wave banners, they commit criminal acts, all the while thinking they are rebelling against the man. But the thoughts in their heads, the words in their mouths, the actions they carry out, all of these are carefully orchestrated by the man. And the man, the man chuckles and snortles all the way to the bank, which he owns, along with everyone's minds and pretty much everything else. To all the young people out there, and I've spoken to enough late teens and young adults over the years to know how difficult it can be not to succumb to peer pressure. To all the young people out there, may I just give a little bit of advice? You don't have to take it. People pay me lots of money not to take my advice. But let me share this. All humans have some deep-rooted need for acceptance. But we don't have to equate that with popularity. Acceptance and popularity are not necessarily the same thing. You can be accepted for what you are and still be unpopular. Trust me, I know. <laughs> but you will have people's grudging respect for having your own mind, and you might encourage others to do the same just by example. Don't go with a crowd just because you want to be accepted in some group or another if you do not resonate with their ideology. Because the moment you do that, you have told yourself that other people's opinions carry more weight than yours. It is a difficult habit to get out of, so don't get into it. That's why secret societies approach university students in the freshman year. Bright minds you all may be, and you are, much brighter than people give you credit for. But you are also young, idealistic inexperienced and therefore malleable it means nothing to protest against a thing if you do not have the big picture you must understand the thing from all angles including historical perspective before forming a conclusion only then can you know why you are protesting and what you hope to achieve by protesting Otherwise, it's just making noise, and God knows there's enough background noise on the planet today to last us another 1,000 years. So beware of people who set out to charge up and short-circuit your emotions. Passion, eh, it's all well and good, it has a place. But it's not a long-term plan. Passion burns out. The better option is to stabilize your personal pilot light the core alignment of your being. You keep that sense of soul sovereignty lit and warm 24-7 and you can vary the intensity of the flame as needed and as is appropriate. So before you parade your discontent all over town, take the time to question the agenda behind the course. Most of you do not do this. You don't take the time to investigate why others want to. You to support their course. I know this because I've spoken with many of you. If someone says jump, you don't ask how high, you ask why. What exactly are we jumping for? What purpose will my jumping serve? The riots today they're not about race. They have conned you into thinking they are, but they're not. If you calm your emotions, learn to manage them, to take some time and step back, take a few breaths to remove emotional triggers from your system, you will see the true agenda behind these criminal acts. So you ask, what is the agenda, Annie? Oh, come on now. Surely you can figure it out. I'll give you a clue. A major event will take place this November, and Deep State wants to remove from office the one person who is willing, ready... And with enough support, able to expose and eliminate it. I'm simultaneously excited for and sorry for today's 18 year olds. You guys, you gals, you are subjected to continuous brainwashing and mind control. We call this formal education. We had it in my day too, but in my day, the dumbing down process was still in the experimental phase. And most of us, well, we saw right through it. So do not shut your minds down just to run with the crowd. If it feels wrong, you are free to explore the true agenda behind the, well, what it is, a sham shit show. All right, darlings, that's enough pontification from me. Let's go on to the meat of the show. And that is questions, answers and comments. That's what the show's about. What is on your mind, O oh citizens of planet Earth? What would you like to discuss? Or perhaps you just want to rant and cause a fuss. Let your voice be heard. Send your missives to arnie at or via stale mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA, USA, USA. And let me know if you would like to be identified, if your precious pool of wisdom is shared on this show. So let's get right to it then, and let's take a look at this little fishbowl of ours, and what do we have? Here is an email from Joe in Round Rock, Texas. Dear Ani, could you please explain in detail the difference between a regular haunting and a residual haunting? For sure, my property is haunted. Sometimes I can interact with the ghosts, and sometimes I cannot. I'm not afraid. I'm not freaked out. I just want to know what to do. Thank you from Joe. Joe, hello there in Round Rock, Texas. I will be happy to explain. So a regular haunting is when someone goes through mortal death, as in the body stops working. The soul wraps itself up in the light body. A portal opens up and you hitch a ride to the place we call heaven. If you choose not to go through the portal, you're stuck on a physical planet without a physical body. And this is never a good idea for so many reasons. This stuck energy is called a ghost. And of course, it has a personality because it has the same personality it had when it was a living human because it is the same energy. Just doesn't have the meat body. So it's still, if the person was called Tim, it's still Tim. It's just he doesn't have meat body. And you can interact with it because it's still Tim. It's conscious. It's present. It exists in real time. You can define gender. And please, if you find something like that on your property, um, well, if you have a faith base, pray. The divine will open a portal and move them on. Or if you don't, call someone to clear it because you need to be in your correct placement. Because if you're not in your correct placement, you cannot continue with your soul's evolution. You know, if you're dead and you're stuck on Earth and you're Tim and you stay on Earth as Tim, that's it. You're never going to evolve. When you go to heaven, you figure out what you did as Tim. And you evaluate and conclude your Timness. And then you hang out for as long as you want. And then you start another incarnation, another personality. So you see the importance of moving to heaven once you're done with your physical incarnation. So that's a regular haunting. Uh, Residual haunting, that's something else, because you can't interact with it. And these are caused by traumas that somehow embed themselves into the fabric of our time, and they run on a loop, rather like a video on replay. For example, every day at 5 o'clock, The lady dressed in white comes down the stairs, cries in anguish, wrings her hands, weeps for a few minutes, then disappears. So Europe and, uh, you know, Northern Europe and and Europe, they're they're sort of littered with this type of residual haunting where something dreadful happened and it left a video loop recording in the fabric of space and time. And you'll find them not just in castles with white ladies and things, but certainly gruesome things like uh, battlefields, etc. I'll give you one of the most notable examples that I had. Back in the UK, there's a town called Colchester, which has a tremendous history um, with the Romans, the Roman Empire. And my team and I were called to this lady's house in Colchester because every day at four o'clock a Roman battle would happen in her living room in front of her television. And she said that a pit would open up and all these Roman soldiers would be in there and they'd be defending themselves against all sorts of flying debris. And this would go on for several minutes and then it would just go away. And no matter how many times she prays, etc., nothing happens. It won't go away. So we were called in and we witnessed this amazing event. And I'll have to tell you, There's nothing you can do with a residual haunting. They very rarely ever clear up. Uh, Every 26,000 years, when our universe has a cycle, they clear up. But until that time, they don't. This lady's main concern is that it was interfering with her television watching because she liked to watch a certain show at 4 o'clock. And so we suggested that she move her television. Simple. So anyway, that's a residual haunting. You can't interact with it because they're embedded memories, They're not in real time. They cannot hurt you. They're almost impossible to clear. So that's the difference. And Joe, if you send me a few more details and maybe some photographs, and tell me a little bit more about what you're going through, I can advise you better. I don't have to be on location to interact with your property. I clear property all over the world with Skype and just aerial photographs. Um, Anyway, just uh, drop me a line with some more information and I can advise you better. And if you want somebody on location, And you don't want to fly me out to Texas. Let me see if I can find someone in your area who is competent to do this work. Thank you, Joe. Happy haunting. All right. Let's have a little sip of this martini. I'm trying something new today. And I'm not actually sure I like it, but I'm going to take one for the team. And I'm going to keep drinking it until I can form an objective opinion. Mm. Ouch. All right. Oh, that's strong. Here's another email, and this is a sweet one. This is from Ivania, who is supervising this email on behalf of her young daughter, Raquel. Raquel says, Dear Annie, do angels have wings? My brother says they do not have wings. If they do not have wings, how do they fly? I pray to my angels, but I have not seen them yet. How will I know when I see them? if they are really angels and not a trick of the other one, the dark one. I also want to ask you if you think a novena is a good thing to do. Thank you. Okay, Raquel, let me answer your questions. Um, And I hope I don't offend your family with my answers. I I never set out to offend. Um, It's just that I have a sneaking suspicion you might be Catholic. So if I say something that goes against your faith base, it's because I'm honestly answering the question and nothing to do with uh, Catholicism. Okay. Angels. They do not fly in the same way as birds fly. So, no, they don't have wings because they don't need wings. Angelic energies, um, Raquel, they're supercharged. And they're able to cross dimensional barriers at will and without encountering any problems. They're propelled by something special. They're guided by their inner light by their GPS, and in this case, for angels, GPS stands for God Positioning Satellite. I know they're always portrayed as having wings, and this is probably because before the advancement of technology, early man could not fathom aerial travel without wings. It would look up in the sky and go, well, birds have wings. Clearly, you need wings to fly. Um, The other reason they're portrayed as having wings, it could be because, well, they're so bright, aren't they? They're so illuminated with the Holy Spirit that their radiant auras, they kind of look like wings. Now, it's good that you pray to them. But you know what, Raquel? I think you have seen them. But you've probably seen them in your dreams. And we don't always remember our dreams, do we? Now... I have to say you must never be afraid of the other one because God is the greatest light in our universe and no one, no thing has power over God. When you pray to your angels, God will not allow your prayers to go anywhere except to the angels. And when the time comes for you to meet your angels face to face, there will be no doubt in your mind because no one can imitate the glorious holy light that comes from them and Raquel it's not just the light that comes from them it is the feeling of warmth of joy the love they bring with them and plant in our hearts no way can the other one do that you also asked about a novena and for people who don't know a novena is a prayer or an action you perform nine times in one day usually for nine days in a row Raquel asks, is it a good thing to do? Well, here's my opinion. Raquel, God is not inattentive. If we pray, God hears our prayers instantly. And if we pray with an open heart, filled with love for God, and this bit's important, if we see ourselves through the eyes of God, which means knowing we are worthy of God's love and accept that God's love is just unlimited for us and accept that God does not judge us, there is no need to pray more than once. If you mean it and you really believe in God and you trust God to help you, it will be done in the blink of an eye. I would say God does not need a novena. Humans need the novena. And they need it, in my opinion, because they've been told that God judges them. And so they feel unworthy. And when they pray subconsciously, part of them believes God is judging them and deciding whether or not we deserve to have our prayers answered. And that is a ridiculous notion because judgment is a human characteristic and God is not human. So I think we should give the Almighty a little more credit than to bestow it with human characteristics. So, Raquel, it comes down to this in my mind. You either trust God, or you don't. You either believe we are created in God's energy, or you do not. So for me, pray once, really mean it, and then let go and let God handle the details. After all, you're praying to the creator of the universe, chosen by source energy to be the God of this universe. How can there be any doubt in your mind that what you pray for or the highest good equivalent for it isn't going to happen? Okay, thank you so much, Raquel, for writing in. I wish you a very long and a very happy, joyous life. Blessings to your family, too. All right, let's pick another one. Here's a little note from Patty. And Patty says, Ani, I enjoy your show. You have sass, but you also have class, and you make me laugh. Thank you, Patty. My husband will not listen to your show. He is Polish, but he always asks, what was the real-life martini this week, and did she give a recipe? May I ask you, please, Arnie, to always include a recipe for your cocktails. Sincerely, Patty. Patty, I will do this. I will include a recipe for your Polish husband. I'm just curious. Does his race ancestry have anything to do with not listening to the show? Or are you implying that Polish people are more interested in martinis than metaphysics? I'm having a little chuckle over that comment. Um, Thank you so very, very much. And say hello to your husband for me. All right. uh, What else is in our fishbowl today? Hmm. Dear Ani, who is this from? This is from a chap called Ted in San Diego. Okay. Ted says, Dear Annie, how do you get people to change their minds? More than ever, it seems people are folding their arms and digging in their heels. The frustration is real. Today, I almost broke down and had a beer with my lunch. I resisted, but it was a close call. I follow your blog, and I notice the gloves have come off when sharing your point of view. Hmm, I should uh, take a look at my blog. Do we despair? Ted says, or do we regroup and continue to care? Is there hope? P.S., what is your favorite beer? <laughs> Ted, dear Ted, I hear you. I do. And well done for not giving in and having that lunchtime beer. It is easy to fall into unhealthy habits at the best of times, more so in today's gondulali world. So... I think it's easier if you do not think of it as having to change people's minds. We're all entitled to fill our heads with whatever we want, aren't we? It's a free will universe after all. And to be fair, as enlightened, as, as aware as we think we are, and I'm sure we are, but as enlightened and as aware as we think we are, how do we know for sure that our point of view is the one that will serve the betterment of mankind. Silent pause, therefore, effect. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from Bertrand Russell, a philosopher, mathematician, and all-around good egg, who said, I would never die for my beliefs because I might be wrong. And he did talk like that, actually, because he was quite posh. So what's the problem with the world today? What's the problem with the world today? Why are you having this frustration, Ted? It's because people don't know how to discuss things anymore. Back in our day, we had debating societies, and we didn't debate to change minds. That's not what it's about. We debated to expand minds, to share knowledge, to have healthy, sometimes very spirited discussions. So it taught us to respect another person's point of view. But not only that, it encouraged us to follow another person's thought process and to consider what roles cultural and social conditioning played in colouring our perception. As we know, 10 people can, whiz, uh, can witness the same event, and each one will recount that event through the filter of their conditioning. Debate taught us to question why that is, and, and that's a biggie. So it taught us to think critically And to articulate those thoughts, which in turn gave us a greater thirst to pursue higher education. An expanded knowledge base gave us a bigger pool to draw from and the ability to think on our feet, to flex our brain muscles. Something else debating taught us, which is poorly lacking today, focus. You remain focused when debating. You don't allow your team to become sidetracked. Today's media propaganda machine excels at distracting us. So debating taught us to listen, to really, really listen to the other team, and that, in turn, increased our capacity for, guess what, empathy. Focus, coupled with empathy, keeps your emotional triggers in check. And when our emotional triggers are in check, when we are calm and focused and listening we're able to find solutions. All in all, we became more socially conscious, I would say, with an expanded worldview and therefore better citizens. And of course, there's the added bonus, you know, improved presentation skills, which gives you self-confidence, which actually leads to a desire to be of service to your community because you've learned to articulate your thoughts. And, you know, your community is local, national and planetary. And these skills, they're useful no matter what career or life path we choose. Why shouldn't a gardener, a bank teller, a plumber, a waiter be as articulate, as aware and as self-confident as a seasoned academic orator? We don't have many articulate and aware members of the general public these days, do we? That's a problem and that's a shame. We have people wailing all sorts of things, whatever is the slogan de jour. There are children in cages. There are children in cages. You know, the same sentence uh, over and over again. Usually blaming the wrong people for it because they didn't bother to research it, because they believed whatever crock of poop their favorite news channel sold them. You know, you can swap out that children in cages for whatever the new rant is. And, oh, my gosh, the propaganda machine these days churns out more things to rant about than when Baskin-Robbins turns out ice cream flavors. Another problem we have today for people who are woke, as they say, is zero trust in the media, any media. All of it, save a small handful of independent writers, they're bought and paid for. And then, of course, there are the trolls, also bought and paid for, people who have sold their souls, sometimes for money, sometimes for the price of an internship, to sit and discredit anything and everything the opposition posts. So this makes research so much more challenging, doesn't it? Ah, Ted, what shall we do with all these useful idiots? Oh, by the way, I'm not being derogatory. Useful idiot is a term used in critical thinking. So the way I look at it, it's this. I'm not interested in changing anyone's mind per se. My job is to conduct research and present my findings for the betterment of mankind, as I understand it. If I feel folks are way off track and in danger of hurting themselves and others, it is also part of my job to point that out. What they do with the information, advice, blah, blah, I give them is up to them. And I'm not going after people who have no interest in the big picture. I'm here, and it seems so are you, Ted, for the people who know something doesn't add up and who need a little help with the arithmetic. So, brother Ted, do not give in to despair. Life is a grand adventure and a big old experiment. Some peeps, well, they're the scientists. And others, well, I guess they're the lab rats. Now, I will agree that I'm a little more vocal and a little more direct these days, but I think it's less to do with my level of frustration. There is a level of frustration, but I think it's more to do with upping the volume to better reach those frozen in confusion. Where there's confusion, there is hope. When people have made up their minds one way never to change them, there is no hope. So, Ted, God bless you. Very soon, it will be five o'clock here in Oregon. So go ahead, pour yourself a cold beer, feel good about it. Thanks for reaching out. And remember, ultimately, it's all a hologram. There's value in it, but don't take it too seriously. All right, let's see, my darlings, where are we? Uh, I don't know. Should I have another question? Let me have another sip of this very interesting martini, and I'll let you know. Mm. Mm. okay it's growing on me it's growing on me i think perhaps we have time for one more question before we move on to uh, other segments of the show and this one is from gavin in clitheroe in the uk clitheroe is a nice little town i've been there Um, i used to go there before we used to sort of do all those wonderful walks that you have up in the north of england Uh, and clitheroe is definitely somewhere i would consider retiring to If you had more sunshine in Lancashire. (laughs) So Gavin writes, Dear Ani, your relentless campaign to teach us about perceptual engineering has paid off. I give in. Where shall I start my studies? How about a book recommendation or two? Gavin, with pleasure. I'm glad I broke you down there. Um, Two books to start with. First one is called, quite simply, Propaganda. And it's by Edward Bernays, B-E-R-N-A-Y-S. A A classic mandatory reading if you're on my mentorship programs. And the other one is The Crowd, a study of the popular mind by Gustave Le Bon. Let me know what you think of those, Gavin, my son, and I'll happily send you more recommendations. Okay, well, I think that's it for questions, answers, and comments for this week. Thank you all with bells on, ding, 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 for your input. And my darlings, quite frankly, thank you for giving me a reason to live. And now it's time for Tarot A Go Go, a little shenaniganer with a major arcana. Our last show, we featured number 19, The Sun. That was such a pretty card. So this week's card is number 20 judgment. I don't like that word. And I think we should rename this card Rebirth, because it would be a more accurate description of the essence of this card. So let's take a look at it. Everybody, I'm using the Rider Waite deck. Get out your cards and let's take a look at number 20, judgment on the major arcana. What do we see? We see an angel blowing a trumpet. Is it Dizzy Gillespie or is it the Archangel Gabriel? Perhaps it's a bit of both. And so the angel is blowing his trumpet. What's going on underneath? Well, below the archangel, there are floating coffins with naked, grey, zombie-like humans rising from the dead. Not a particularly appealing visual, but the symbolism is clear. It's rebirth. Floating coffins, grey zombies coming out. They hear the sound, trumpet, do-do-do-do, do-do, rebirth awakening to a new phase of life. So this card tells us that every day is an opportunity to start anew. We can break away from old habits, no matter how deeply ingrained. If we become weary, we can rest for a while, and when we are ready to embrace the wonder of cosmic creation once more, the trumpet will sound and we will step out of our watery coffins and sing songs of joy. hallelujah. Now, the trumpet is, of course, the sound of the divine, reminding us of our true nature. Reminding us of our magnificence and our splendiferousness. That's a lovely word, which I just made up. This card brings with it new vibrations, very high vibrations. Do you need to make changes? Well, now in the vibration of rejuvenation would be a good time. Is it time for a career change? Have we delayed those all-important life decisions? Is it time to end a toxic relationship, to make way for healthier habits? Well, now is the time, because this card is all about new directions. This would be a good time to figuratively and literally take off all your clothes and jump in the river, to cleanse, to purify And to also vitalize and stabilize. Lord, whatever I have done, let it be forgiven. Let me start anew this day, remembering that I am created in your image. I am rebirthed in your waveform, in your energy, as perfect as the moment of my creation. Boy, this card represents rebirth with bells on. It's a clean slate, a fresh start. Goodbye to the old habits that kept us locked in mediocrity. Hello to the new habits, a new way of life, one in which the past has no power over us. It's the end of a dysfunctional cycle, time to make those crucial decisions about our life course. All in all, I'd sum it up by saying positive, happy card, bursting with fresh opportunity and goodliness. The phoenix rises from the ashes. So Arnie, yes Arnie, What if we pick this card reversed? Hmm. Well, we can assume the phoenix will not rise from the ashes. Perhaps we're experiencing the consequences of poor decisions we made. And if that is the case, let's accept the consequences with grace and accept that what was done is done. Because acceptance allows us to archive the information and to remove the emotional triggers. Acceptance prevents us from developing a victim mentality, and that allows us to move on. And what could any of us desire more than that? A fresh slate, start again, make peace with the past. What could be better? I mean, throw in $7 million and a large slice of pie, fabulous. So number 20, judgment, or as I like to call it, rebirth. Now, my darlings, it just occurred to me, because I'm a bit slow, there are only 21 cards in the Major Arcana, and on our next show, we will have covered them all. (gasps) Oh! So drop me a line. Let me know what you would like me to do. Shall I continue with Tarot a go-go, or shall I move on to something else, and if so, what? If you want me to carry uh, on with the Tarot, That's fine. I will. We'll start with an overview of the suits and then we'll just do all the cards one by one. But let me know, you know, and I wish you all a very happy rebirth. All right. Moving along. I'm getting a little dry here. Let me um, let me see if I'm warming up to this martini. Hmm. One more sip, I think. It's growing on me. It's growing on me. Hmm. Or maybe I'm just getting tiddly. I don't know. Um, I'm definitely getting tiddly. Heads up, people. This is a very strong martini. I can feel it now. What's next? Oh yes. Do 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 do. It's time for Plato chips, where we quote a philosopher of note. Philosophy. I talk about it a lot. I always say we need to teach it in schools. And people say, why? Who's going to use philosophy? Oh, I say to you, what is philosophy? It's the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, of reality, existence. Philosophy is the study of general and fundamental questions about existence, knowledge, values, reason, mind, language. And we ask these questions, and we answer them with other questions, and... Then it goes to other questions. (laughs) That's what philosophy is all about. You see, questions and questions and questions and and ponderances and pondering, but thinking. It gets you to think and you have the creative visualization that goes along with that. The fundamentals of philosophy must be taught in schools along with mathematics and chess. So today's philosopher of note is Charlie Brown. Why Charlie Brown? Because my darling's life is so much more than a bowl of peanuts. So let's share a few quotes from this well-known yet underappreciated American hero. Here's a quote from Charlie Brown. Worrying won't stop the bad stuff from happening. It just stops you from enjoying the good. Well, it's true, isn't it? I mean, worrying about something is a misuse of time. What has worrying ever achieved? except giving energy to and therefore exacerbating the problem. And I think we all agree, there are far too many exacerbators in the world today. So let's take Charlie Brown's advice, and instead of brooding over our distress, let's focus on how much we are blessed. Even if it's something simple. You wake up in the morning and you take a shower. You go, well, yeah, well, you know, people... Hot water is spouting out of the wall to cleanse you. It's a start for gratitude, isn't it? Years ago, we had to walk down to the river, bring it all back, build a fire, warm it up, wash ourselves. Hey, in this modern age, you get up in the morning, you jump in the shower, hot water comes out, lovely soap at your disposal. Let's focus on the little blessings and build upon those. Well done, Charlie Brown. Here's another one he wrote that I do like. In the book of life, the answers are not in the back. What message is Professor Brown trying to get across with this statement? I think he's telling us that the world is not a one-size-fits-all realm of experience. It's all well and good to take advice from others, and we should always be open to another's perspective. But in the end, each sovereign soul has to walk its life path in its own way, at its own pace, and processed through its own unique filter of ancestral coding and experience. He is also telling us that modern society is far too driven by results. What happened to enjoying the journey? Why are we so obsessed with getting there? After all, wherever we find ourselves, there we are. We may have a primary goal, but it would enrich the experience we call life if we stopped to take the odd side quest here and there. Without losing sight of the primary goal, of course, but. Then again, perhaps something we encounter on life's scenic byways will cause us to rethink our goals. If we are solely results-driven and don't take the time to explore a little, how will we know if the track we're on is the only track worth taking? And I think this last quote might be my favorite. It's tongue-in-cheek, of course, but for people who are feeling overwhelmed, and many of you are today, it's very good advice. Charlie Brown says, I have developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. Lovely. No need to stress. Stress is a dysfunctional relationship with time. Break it down into manageable pieces. If we live fully and honorably today, tomorrow will be a better day. And it will be a better day because we've done everything we needed to do today. And we haven't taken any of today into tomorrow. That's why tomorrow will be a better day. And I had better slow down on this martini. So wise words from Charlie Brown. Clearly a chap who had a lot more going on inside, he said, than on top of it. All right. I might take a little break now and just remind you all that if you are interested in my services, uh, what I'm up to, blah, 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 visit my website, ArnieAvadisian.com. It's all there uh, under the YouTube thingy, so you can spell it. And that will tell you about all my classes and what I do and what I don't do and all that. And sign up for my monthly newsletter, which comes out on the first Monday of each month. Monday messages, there is a sign-up form on the front page of my website. And in addition to this podcast, I have my own YouTube channel. Just put Annie Avedisian in the YouTube search bar and all sorts of wonderful short instructional videos will come up and you can just knock yourselves out uh, watching those and uh, feel free to leave some wonderful comments. And if you don't like them, uh, just be polite. Okay, <laughs> thank you. And now it's time for a little pat of poetry. Yes, folks, after a hard day's shamaning, I like nothing better than going home, putting my feet up, having a nice cup of tea or a small drinky poo, and writing really bad, non-peer-reviewed street poetry. And today's offering is titled, Have You Figured It Out Yet? And this is dedicated lovingly to all the men and women who would gladly give up their sovereignty for the illusion of state-sanctioned security. There is no such thing as security because life is an adventure. Adventure, noun, an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. To adventure, verb, engage in hazardous and exciting activity, especially the exploration of unknown territory. Earth is not unknown, you say. Really, I say? A different version of reality exists inside each of our minds. So, we are currently coexisting with 7.7 billion versions of perceived reality, and that, my darlings, can most certainly be classified as the exciting exploration of unknown territory. Right. Here's the poem. Have you figured it out yet? Thank you very much. They said we can visit big lot stores, but not our local grocer. Feed the corporate pig by all means, but serve the community, F you minions and no sir. They said we should wear masks all day for everyone's safety and protection. But thousands of contagions are in circulation constantly, 24-7. Do you detect the owner Oh, establishment deception? I'll repeat that last line because I'm a little tiddly. Do you detect the odour of establishment deception? If they told us to put pineapples up our arses and to sing Old MacDonald, all in the name of some new threat for which we now have mandatory classes, I bet some of you would go ahead and do it. And for that, my heart, it weeps. In the mind, it boggles. Well, there you have it, my darlings. A little bit of poetry of what's going through my head at any given time. Trust me, not a place you would want to live. Time for a little sip of my martini. Mm. I'm trying out a new vermouth I've never tried before. And I'm blaming my tiddliness on this because clearly this vermouth has a higher alcohol content than, than the vermouth I'm accustomed to. Alright, well that's my excuse anyway. And now my darlings are back by popular request. Da-da-da-da! Da-da-da! The Wizard's Gizzard. A little spiritual ritual that we can make habitual. What is a ritual? It's a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order. And we tend to associate rituals with religious ceremonies, don't we? But any series of actions performed in a certain manner is a ritual. Most of us have a morning ritual. We wake up, we grunt, we use the bathroom, wash our hands, splash our face, brush our teeth, make coffee, drink coffee, take a shower, get dressed, eat breakfast, grunt, go to work. It serves us to do certain things in a certain order. Mostly these rituals are little more than time management, making sure our basic needs are taken care of before we rush off to work then we come home from work we pick up the mail on our way in wash the day off change into our jammies fix ourselves a beverage prepare our evening meal and then engage in whatever activity we have planned for that evening we have performed these actions repeatedly for years we perform them on autopilot they serve to streamline our day so we have more time to play And these rituals, they're physical activities, and they're good and they're useful, but we should include a little mental process in our daily rituals. Here's one that I do. Each morning, I put aside 15 minutes to sit quietly with my coffee and inhale the dark, rich aroma of Colombian magic beans. Magic, because they gently yet miraculously awaken me and uplift my physical senses. So I sit there, sipping, breathing, allowing all the parts of me that traveled through the night in the astral realms to find their way home from their dreamscapes. And when I feel 100% uploaded, spirit inhuman, I'll look at my day runner, tweak my schedule, and get on with whatever I want to do. But that pure, quiet time just me, aligning with all that is. No input from another human until it's all me, integrated and aligned, calm but bright, and ready for whatever might come my way that day. Most of us are in too much of a hurry to start our work day. When I was younger, oh boy, I'd be like, you know, showering and everything and eating everything 10 minutes and out the door. And often that's because... Well, most of us don't want to go to work, do we? We associate waking up with spending eight hours doing something we don't want to do. We sleep in for as long as we can, we rush through the morning rituals, get to work as fast as we can, hoping the day will go just as fast, all the while longing for the moment we can clock off and go home. So those fifteen minutes each morning, just you and the coffee or your beverage of choice, it will ensure that that the full and complete you is the one that walks out the door. No parts left behind. All you, in your magnificent, glorious, aromatica-enhanced aura, bright, sparkling, celestial citizen, ready to go where the flow takes you, spirit and human, fully integrated and gently caffeinated. Okie dokie, and let me share something else that I do. Um, A little ritual I perform once every three months, typically on the first Sunday of the cycle, but of course you choose whatever works best for your schedule. I review my beliefs because the world's gone mad with misinformation. I take a look at my life thus far, and I ask myself how my beliefs have served me thus far. What type of life have I created for myself based on those beliefs. Has anything happened in the last three months that caused me to review and change those beliefs? And if yes, I'll ponder on it. I'll also ponder about, yes, but I'm resisting thinking about it. And if I'm resisting it, how can I overcome the resistance? And on my birthday every year, I ask myself this question. Well, I ask myself two questions. First question is, why hasn't someone bought me a fully loaded Toyota Tundra yet? And the second question is, why was I born on this planet in this period of time? Nice little rituals. If you want me to send you a little PDFy thingy of those, just drop me a line to Arnie at and it shall be done. I think we don't spend enough time in cyclical review. Something big on your birthday every year, something big on the, you know, first of the year, every month or every other month or every three months. Let's see where we are. Let's track our growth. What's holding us back and, and what achievements can we glorify in, you know? Alright, very quickly, let's catch up with upcoming events and classes. Uh, no Cosmic Conversation in June. Apologies for the inconvenience. It's been rescheduled to July the 25th, 5 p.m. Pacific time on Zoom. And this conversation is titled Onward Buttercup. There is fakery to be done. And it deals with why we fall for fake news and how we can reclaim our minds from the masterful engineering of the collective matrix. If you'd like to attend, send me an email. I'll send you a PayPal link. You send me money. I send you a Zoom link. Backwards and forwards, lovely, fabulous, and we do the session. I'll announce the subjects for the Cosmic Conversations for the rest of 2020 in the August edition of my monthly newsletter, Monday Messages. It is short, it is sweet, it is full of of buttery goodness. You should sign up for it. So just go to the website and and do that. You'll make my computer person very happy. As is my custom, there will be no Cosmic Conversation in August. Instead, I will be co-hosting a three-day metaphysical retreat on the beautiful Umpqua River, with the author of the Billionaire Trilogy, that charismatic bundle of awesomeness known as Miss Petra Nicole. If you would like information on the event, send me an email. I'll send you a link. Or you can go directly to PetraNicole.com. That's P-E-T-R-A-N-I-C-O-L-L.com. Click on the Events tab. I'm so looking forward to this one because it's a very schedule, Um, you know, something for everyone, classes, but there's also lots of swimming in the upcoir and lots of energy work and using energy machines and meditations, something for everyone, fully catered, yummy vegetarian food. Uh, And I'll be swimming every day. So if you're a swimmer, bring your cosy and we'll go splashing about together every morning and every evening. In mid-September, I'll be holding classes for home and property clearing. Some of this can be done via Zoom but I'm hoping that we are mask free by September because we do need to get some hands on ghost-busting experience with this one. And I have quite a few other mini classes in the works and I'll share details and dates as soon as I have them. I want to do something new this year. We've been teaching the same subjects for years and we'll keep the core subjects, but I think people are asking me for shorter classes with more variety. So, I'm going to listen to you, oh, my people, and do that. So let's do a little time check, and let's have a little sip of this uh, concoction here. Well, oh, my gosh, look at the time. My darlings, I think that's it for today. I've just about finished my drink, and that means it's just about the end of the show. I do hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it, because I had a blast. What a pleasure it is to join you every other week, just to hang out, exchange ideas, and, and have a drinky-poo. And today's real-life martini for all you people, and also Patty's Polish husband, was a classic concoction. Three parts of Belvedere vodka, one part Bordiga extra dry, very aromatic, and if I may say so, very expensive vermouth, well-chilled, Stirred, not shaken, and served naked with no dressing. Now remember, folks, cocktails are awesome if they're an occasional treat. If you take the art of mixology seriously and use the best possible ingredients, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie Avedisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abadisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio.